the quote for the week, unless you get new thoughts, you can't go to a new place. And that's kind of what this book is going to be about. Um, if we don't change the way we think, the way we look, the way we do, then we can't expect different results. We're going to get the same result if we keep doing the, the same thing over over and over. Um, and as we want to start on, on uh, page four, I want a few things here in the introduction that we'll we'll talk about. But you always have to remember in God, He always has a plan for us to come out unscathed. Whatever the situation in the world is, whatever the environment that causes the dilemma in our lives, He always has a plan, a way of escape. And lots of times we get so caught up in the issue that, that, that we forget that, that there is a way out of this for me to come out unscathed. It, it, but but I, I have to remember, I gotta go to God first and find out what that, what that plan is in here. Alright, page four, the introduction, um, that first big paragraph. And while I'm reading this, go to, uh, Proverbs chapter 29. The title of the book is How to Prosper in Hard Times. God's way, not man's way. It says, God always speaks to backslidden nations through their economy. America, despite all her greatness, has angered God. And Christians worldwide will be impacted greatly during the inevitable storm. Because, you know, really, as as the um, USA goes, pretty much so goes the world. Uh it pretty much we are the catalyst that, that 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 makes the world run. I know China's trying to rival us and take that. Our GDP is way greater than China's, but on the flip side, our debt is way way greater than than China's. Also, uh, so Proverbs twenty nine and two here says, "When the right everybody there, I see this is the pages turn. Did I not say that right? Twenty nine two. Proverbs twenty nine two. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And me and Smiley had this little talk yesterday about, and I think we've got into it in this class, how many things we think are in the Bible that's not in the Bible. You know, I always heard people say, when the righteous rule, the people prosper. That's basically what the scripture says, but that's not in the Bible. But that's true. When the righteous rule, the people prosper. When, when, when the wicked rule, the, the, the people perish. And that's what, what we're seeing is that when the righteous rule, they base their presidency or kingship, whatever country you in, based off of biblical principles. Most of them have, have been, have God in their life, you know, Christian people. But then when the wicked, wicked rule, then that changes. As you can see, like our nation now, we, we, we're chasing everything but God. You know, everything else has a more priority than God. And, and you see this, starting to see the effects of that. Inflation, all the high interest rates, all those things that, that, that come along with, 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 I would say poor leadership. And I'm not, I'm not knocking the president now because it's way more than the president. You know, it, it's Congress, it's our governors, it's, it's even individual people. You know, so that's why it's important to vote in. Why do we, uh, this ain't part of the lesson, but I reckon I need to say this again. 
we need to vote based on how God leads us. Because your vote is a seed toward good government. See? Alright? And we, we vote somebody just because we like their plan is not a good reason to vote for somebody. Even if the one God leads you to vote for doesn't win, you still done what you've been told to do. So there you invoke His ability to help you through all the storms that are coming by voting the way He told you to vote. I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, it don't matter. It matters that, that, that He leads you in how you vote. See, that's your... When, when you got things going crazy like they are right now, see, that, 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 that's your faith line to say, hey, you know, I voted like you told. I, I got a seed toward good government in, in my life, in my sphere. It might not be, be affecting everybody, but I got to be able to come out of this unscathed because I followed you, see. You have something to lean back on. So I always remember that you got, we don't vote, vote for who God tells you to regardless, you know, but I ain't gonna vote for them. They ain't gonna win. Well, that's your natural thinking. You don't know what God's plan is. See? You don't know how He's going to connect everything, you know, and all. So you always have to just 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 follow Him, and, and you can't be wrong. Many believers in the coming months and years will experience layoffs, loss of benefits, retirement packages, insurance coverage, etc. Well, in Proverbs, go to Proverbs 3. Wisdom is the ability to discern the difference in seasons. Wisdom is the ability to discern differences in seasons. All economic signs are screaming preparation for the coming collapse. Often the thoughts we dismiss from our mind the most are the thoughts that we should focus on. Proverbs 3. And six. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I'm in the wrong chapter, chapter four. Chapter four, verse six. That was a good chapter though, wasn't it? Be nice to get into right chapter verse uh, chapter four, verse five. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of thy mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Understanding is the ability to apply that wisdom. So what does the Bible say, no matter what your situation is, what is the principal thing? Wisdom. Wisdom. To know what is the right choice. Anytime you feel pressure to make a quick choice, you can guarantee that the devil's head is somewhere in that. Because he can put pressure on you and get you to hurry through something and not think it through. Then that's where the majority of our bad decisions come from. It's from, you know, you go to a car dealership and he says, well, you, you better make a decision now. i got three more people look, they already looked at this. It's going to be gone. Well, adios. You know, that's got to be your attitude. You never never get in anything that you can't walk away from. Even if you think it's the greatest thing that's ever been. You have to have enough backbone to, to walk away from, from anything if it's not the right thing. Because if it is the right vehicle, you can go on two or three days and do what you need to do. It'll still be there. And the thing is, they got another hundred thousand gray ones just like it. 
you know, it ain't the only one. But we get under that and we get hurried into that and we make those bad. And then what do we do a few days later? Man, I wish I hadn't done that. That's those hurried... Anytime there's pressure, you better throw up a red flag and say, the devil's somewhere. No matter if it's about financial, about health, about your family, somebody calls you and, hey, I need you to do that, I need it, I need it now. Well, no, you don't. You don't. You may think you do. But I'm just going to slow down. Take, take a step back here, you know. You know, you're not going to pressure me into doing something that I'm going to... Because why? If you if your bond is your word and you give them your word, then you've got to swear to your own hurt and do it. No matter how bad it is, you ought to give your Jews going to do it. Now you've got to do it. And you th- when you think about it, you know, I didn't need to be involved in that. I didn't need to be doing that. i got this I need to be doing. But you, you, a lot of people bail out, but that's wrong. You know, if you put your word on it, you've got to go on through with it. Now, it says here, all economic signs are screaming preparations for the coming collapse. Often the thoughts we dismiss from our mind the most are the thoughts that we must focus on. So everybody's talking about the pending collapse of the stock market. Well, if you, if you have individual things, you can bail out. But if you got 401k retirement, you can't bail out. So, so what's the answer to that? There's the answer. See, you, you first you need to do is take it to the Lord. Take your 401k to the Lord because you have some ability to move things around within your 401k. It's not like, now you get to choose how, where it goes. I'm out of books. You get to choose where, where it goes, you know, if part goes here, part goes there, part goes there. See, and and God knows which sector is going to do good, which sector is going to do bad. You need to take that to Him, and that, even if you if you've left a job and you had to roll your four hundred one k, it's important to know where it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, and that because I know people that that have have done this. And they come out of some of the like the 2008 thing. They did. Everybody lost piles in 2008. <clears throat> this guy didn't lose nothing. He actually made money. And the investor come to him and said, "You're the only client that we had that made money. Why?" And he told him that. He said, "Well, what about doing me a favor? Next time you talk to the Lord, let me know what He says." <laughs> but he's the only one that client that, that made money. Why? Because he took the time. See, and that's what we we talked about here this morning. Take the time right now during these times that we're in and what may come or may not come to, to, to know that you got your financial house in order, that, that things are where they're supposed to be. See, because like I said before, when you invoke, he said, acknowledge him in all your ways and he would direct your path. Well, <clears throat> acknowledge him in that 401k, acknowledge him in your retirement and, and, and expect to be to be directed, see? That's how you safeguard things because money, money is made in bad times. People, you know, and Terry can vouch for this, you know, uh, especially with, with, with cattle. When men cows get up $2,000, $2,000 a piece, the, the stock yards are full of people trying to buy cows. But they still $1,000 cows. And they're going to come back to $1,000. So, so you buy that $2,500 cow three years from now, you sit all upside down because you got twenty five hundred dollars in a cow that won't pay for itself. You sit all the time. Money is made when cattle prices drop. Then you go fill it up because it will rebound and come back, and then you sell. 
See, that the money's made. You look at the Rockefellers, all these people that have way up the Kennedys that has transitioned to generations. It was all made. Great Depression, those, those bad times is when they when they made their money. They bought when nobody else would buy. See, because when people run scared, nobody wants to buy nothing. But you need to find direction from the Lord. That's when you need to, to maybe be by. I'm not telling you too. I'm saying you need to follow Him. That's when you need to, you know, being, being, if you rolled your stock market over, uh, your 401k into something really safe, and then the bottom falls out, and, and you got good value, then you might want to roll it and get in at the bottom, and then you ride the high all the way up. See? Instead of keeping the high and ended up in the morning being on the bottom. But it's all in what He tells you to do and how He He guides you through it. <clears throat> right. introduction. One, one more thing here and we'll move on to our first chapter. Uh, you see the middle paragraph on, on five or middle sentence. The difference between people is their decision to prepare. Now this is a statistic but I've found it to be, be true in, in, in my teaching. You know, when you give people information... It's sad, but only 10% of those people would do anything with it. One out of ten. Nine people are going to leave this class after we do this and go do nothing. Just keep it like it was. Then when times get hard, they're the very ones that run and will help when they had information. But then some that will choose to do it, see, those that choose to do it will, will, will come out on the high end. But why? It takes time, it takes effort, it takes a willingness, and most people are not disciplined enough to do that. They're not willing to be disciplined enough. They'd a lot rather watch that whatever on TV or do whatever it is they like to do than spend a little extra time. So, okay, Lord, you know, this, this is what I want to use in my latter years to be able to not have to work. It's a shame when you have to see all these retired people coming back to work. You know? And we don't want to be there. And the only way we're not going to be there is if we decide to spend some time now changing changing that direction. Alright? Chapter 1. And we're going to hit some highlights in this chapter <coughs> 1. Because it's probably this don't apply to most of it. He's been in this first chapter here. You know, there, there's so many people that don't don't believe in prosperity, don't believe that, that they're supposed to prosper. And you find that, 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 that all over the place in the Christian world. And he spends this first chapter pretty much talking to those, to those people, trying to show them that what prosperity is. See, when we say prosperity, everybody thinks money. Well, that's all I've talked about so far is money. But it's so much more than money. Money is the minute part of prosperity. We're gonna, we're gonna see this here in a second. So anyway, he spends this first, uh, chapter talking about that. Only a fool refuses to prosper. While true prosperity involves more than just money, my focus for this book is to teach you financial aspects of God's blessing. I believe a man who is broke but has health is prosperous in his body. A single mother who cannot pay her bills but whose children adore her is prosperous in her home. God's assignment for your life requires more than health and family. It requires money. Now, his definition of prosperity. Prosperity is having enough of God's provision to complete His will for your life with enough left over to be able to afford to liberally bless your family, your church, the work of God, along with any other legitimate needs that excite you. Now, 
This is what I say about prosperity. Prosperity is being well balanced in life. That's what true biblical prosperity is. You know, uh, like on some of his examples, I'll, I'll turn it upside down for you. Um, you can't pay your bills, but you got good health. You're just a healthy, broke man. Or the other thing, you got all the money in the world and you got poor health. You're still not prosperous. You're just a rich, sick man. Or if you got both of them and your children are crazy as run over dogs, then you're not prosperous there either. Prosperous, prosperity in God has been well balanced in every aspect of life. And when you read uh, the Bible, you, you see He addresses finances, He addresses health, He addresses your family, He addresses your occupation. Everything is addressed because we're supposed to be on that on an even keel, prosperity has been well balanced in, in every area of life. Now, all of us is different. Prosperity is different to everybody. Some people just want a little old bass boat when they retire. Some people want to travel when they retire. So don't get caught up in thinking that prosperity means I got to have a, a big old house and a Cadillac and a boat. You know, don't chase somebody else's dream. Chase your own dream. Whatever you're looking for. See? He don't have no instability. He just ride his motorcycle. Ain't nothing wrong with that. See, whatever, whatever prosperity is to you, you focus on that and leave the rest alone. Don't get caught up in the noise of keeping up with the Joneses, because too many people get there, and, and it's all about it's all about me being somebody. When I walk in the room, you think I'm somebody. I'm something because I got just as much as so and so. You just broke on a different level. That's all you are. And so remember, prosperity is, is, is you do prosperity your way, in there. But to be well balanced, God wants you happy in every area of your life, whatever, whatever that that entails. All right, page nine. Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power or the ability to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Go to James chapter 4. While I say this. So what is the purpose of, of, of biblical prosperity? He says here, we just read that, that that He give you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant. What God wants is the people. God wants the people. God wants His family. God wants His children. And the purpose of prosperity is for us to help further the kingdom to bring people in. See, it, take, it takes it takes money. To run this church. It takes money to do outreach. Anything you do in life, it takes money to do it. So if, if, if you can't pay your own bills, then it's real slim chance that you're going to help anybody else pay theirs. See? And that's what prosperity is about is, is because we don't use, and I said this many times, we don't use things. You got to remember this about prosperity. We don't use people to get things. The world does that. We use things to get people. What do I mean? 
All right, the world uses people. I'll, I'll, I'll talk bad about Miss Lee to the boss man. I love her to her face, tell her how good she is. But hey, you know Miss Lee, she's slacking pretty bad. I won't make Miss Lee get bad to help me get ahead. See, I'm using people to get things. See, but the Bible is reversed. We use things to get people. See, for instance, you ride by and there's this homeless man on the street. Got his his family, his kids, got all of his baggage there. And you stop. You take him to an apartment. You rent him an apartment. You pay his bills for six months for him. And you ain't said nothing about the Lord. But then what happens when you say, hey, let's go have lunch one day. And then you start talking about the Lord. Where's his receptors? See, he believes in you because you you have put actions to what you believe. You have used things to attract that person. See? You use things to to get Jesus in that situation. See? And it might be, and I just use that that's, that's a big example. I know you're trying to support somebody for six months, but it don't matter if it's it, it, any little avenue like that's what God wants to do. He wants you to use your things to help break the ice with people, see? And not just accumulate. There's nothing wrong with you having savings and all that kind of stuff. But when you got it so tight that you won't help nobody, you 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 just a broke man with money. You ain't you ain't nothing else. That money is 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 to be used to help further the kingdom. That's the whole first purpose. And when you when you put your attitude toward that, because God has to be able to trust you. See, I hear it all the time. Well, I'll give once I get a better job. No, you won't. Because the giving ain't about your job. Giving's about your heart. If your heart ain't right now, you ain't giving now. It don't matter if if, if you get a hundred million dollars, you're not gonna give it in there. So you know and that's how people want want to do it. When I get so and so, when you get there, you say, "Well, no, now I need to get here for a start. No, now I need to get here for a start." See, and you'll never get there. <coughs> I said James 4, 7. <clears throat> if any of you lack wisdom, I'm at verse 5, I mean, I've got my scriptures all messed up. Huh? I think I let Angie write in my book this week. <laughs> if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Or that upbraideth means... You can't do enough. I'm in chapter one. I ain't even in verse. I ain't even in verse. I'm in the wrong chapter. In. <laughs> yeah. I thought y'all were supposed to spiritually discern stuff. Where's y'all discernment at this morning? Let's let, let's go to James chapter one. Now we have James chapter one. Maybe it's that I can't read my writing. <laughs> and verse five. Here we go. Mark, help me out now. They 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 dragging on me pretty bad. Yeah, we supposed to have a little discernment. I, I think I said James one five. They just heard four seven. <laughs> if any man lack wisdom, are we talking about wisdom? Let him ask God that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. Him. So if we lack wisdom, if we lack understanding on, on what our, we're talking finances today, 
move should be, what does He say? Just ask Him. And no matter what you've done, He's not going to hold it back from you. See? But you have to believe. What the next verse say? Let him that ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything. So what does that mean? You can't be double-minded. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's what he's saying here. You ask for God, wisdom of God, believe you receive it. Don't be double-minded. Well, I don't know. You know, I ain't heard from God. I don't know. That's double-minded. Wishy-washy. He said, once you believe it, you release your faith. Say, okay, I have the wisdom of God. My steps are ordered by God. So whatever I do now, and I believe I'm ordered for God. And, you, and, and then you, you just start walking out that wisdom. And then, all right, now, four and seven. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You have to put both of those together. You submit yourself to God. You ask him for the wisdom. Alright? So the devil's coming and saying, you waste your time, Lee. That ain't going to work. You're in a hole. You, can't, you ain't getting out of this time. You know, so then I'm, if I follow that train of thought, then I'm double-minded. See, resist the devil because I've submitted to God. A lot of people say resist the devil, and he'll flee. Well, most of the time he don't flee because we we misread the verse. We had submitted ourselves, put ourselves under God's authority. That's what makes the devil flee. See, I have submitted the situation to God, and what He said: every knee will bow. Things in the earth, above the earth, under the earth will will bow their knee to. To God. See, submit to God, resist the devil, then, then he'll flee. Alright. We fix and get moving here. <clears throat> Prospering through divine laws. The only way men prosper is through cooperation with divine laws. Even an unbeliever implementing a divine law will be more prosperous than a Christian who does not. Why? Because spiritual law works the same both ways. Be in a right relationship with God in your heart does not mean laws of provision are being implemented in your life. The love and affection we feel toward God does not mean we are operating in an understanding of His kingdom financial principles. It just means we have a grasp of His amazing love. Now, you'll notice this all through Jesus' teaching. You'll notice this all in the Old Testament. You know, you and you hear this all the time. People saying, you know, wanting God to help them with their finances, wanting God to do this for the finances, do that for the finances. If you look at every single thing in the Bible, first thing God asked them is, "What do you have?" You look at the at, at the widow lady; they was coming to get her two sons because of the debt that her husband had left. All right. He asked for what? What do you have in the house? I just have a little cruiser oil. That's all I have. Right? So he asked what you have. What, what did Jesus say when he fed the 5,000? What do you have? What do you have? They said, we don't have but five loaves and four fishes. They were saying, we ain't got but this little bit. We got 20,000. Some people see. No matter what the little bit is, 
God wants it so He has something to work with. Remember, the whole thing of, 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 of prosperity is seed time and harvest. If you don't have a seed, you don't get a harvest. It's all about seed time and harvest. Everything, everything in the Bible. Well, you know, not just money, everything about seed time and harvest. You need healing? Invest in somebody else's. Pray for somebody else. Get your mind off you. See, He's going to ask you, why? Because you need some skin in the game. See, you get some skin in the game, then you get more interested in the thing. See, I know used to it, 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 it may, I think it's coming back this way. I know when I was young and coming up, you couldn't buy a car, you couldn't buy anything unless you put something down on it. You had to have a down payment. Why? Because that puts your skin in the game. You don't want to lose your down payment. But then repossessions and all that go way up when they stop people having to put anything down. Well, they got no investment in it. I just use it till I don't want it no more, and I just let you have it back because it didn't cost me anything except the few payments I made. But when you start making them put ten, fifteen, twenty percent down, then people are a lot less willing to walk away. See, same same principle. You know, you got to give him some seed for him to multiply. Zero times anything is what, Miss Amy? Zero. See, but one times a thousand is what? Ten dollars times a thousand is what? Ten thousand. But zero times a thousand is still zero. See? So he's going to ask you to put something in the game. See? And that's where the thing, that, that's where the rubber meets the road. Am I willing to trust him? And that shows him that you trust him with your finances. And I'm not saying he's going to tell you to put your whole paycheck in. I'm just saying that between you and him, whatever he lays on your heart, you know, if you ain't got the five dollars, he, you may feel led to give a dollar of it. I'm not going to... That's between you and Him. But He will always... And you can read everything in the Bible about this and you'll find it. He always says, what do you have? What are you willing to in, invest? Because if I get you to invest that, then I believe your time will... And it's the time that He's wanting. It's not the money. It's the time. He needs the time to retrain your thinking. He needs the time... To change the way you look at things, see, that's 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 what's wrong with the government. You know, you can't give these people enough money to make them rich, because it's not a money problem; it's a thinking problem. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know what to do with it. See, and if we get in when we get in our financial problems, it's the same thing. We've made financial errors that we don't realize we made, and if God rains down money on us and we don't change that thinking. We're going to be right back where we were because we didn't change the process that got us there to start with. Does that make sense? See, that's what it's all about. It's all about Him. And it, it works. It's the same principles in anything in life. He has, you have to get your mind renewed to the way God does it, the way God thinks about it, the way God looks at it. See, then that's what changes, that's what changes your trajectory in, in life is when you change the thought process. Because it's the thought process, whatever our problem is today, the thought process is what got us there. See? Does that make sense? I'm getting out, though. Sometimes I think for the most people is the double-mindedness and the lack of wanting to put the seed out. That's right. But it's not one thing, it's a combination. That's right. Because we can't, we can't, and that's a good point, we can't give in, in offerings as loss. So we say, I gave. We're losing it. We're losing it. See, let me tell you, tell you this. Anything you sow into the kingdom of God only goes into your future and multiplies. 
That's the whole purpose. It's going to multiply and be there when you need it. Don't ever count anything in the kingdom, whether you, whether you come up here on work day, whether you feed the kids, whether you, you give in the offering. See, if you just, we just give it in the <coughs> offering, and that's all we do, then we put no demand on that. See, so we go, we get no return. You have to put demands on your giving based on, uh, and we'll get into this later, uh, in, 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 in some later chapters. But if you just write in your tithing check and you're just putting it in the offering, no wonder you're not getting anything back. That's not biblical. All you did was just throw 10% of your money out there. You didn't, you didn't put any spiritual life into it. Tithing is a faith act. It's not nothing to do with the money. It's a faith act that I believe Malachi 3. I believe Proverbs 3. See, and you're invoking those spiritual laws into your life. Believing that that's what he said when I tithe. That he's going to show up. He's going to open the windows of heaven for me. He's going to rebuke the devourer for me. Devour my finances. Devour my health. Devour of my children. See, I have to believe that I receive those, those benefits from my giving. See, that, that makes sense? So, so you say give with expectation. That's right. Give with expectation. That's right. Well, why, why did you invest in the stock market? With expectations. But we've been told that money is bad and Christians shouldn't have it. And that's a trick of the devil. So we don't give. Now you don't give to get. That's, that's, that's totally, totally wrong. We don't give to get. That these people say, well, I'm going to give a hundred dollars. I'm going to get a thousand dollars. I'm going to get me. That's wrong heart. Your heart's not in the right place. Yes, that's wrong heart. We don't give to get. But because I'm willing to give, God is saying, that I will do this for you because you're willing to give. I'm not giving to get there. This is part of my benefit package when I give. Go, go, go to Malachi. We're ahead of ourselves. Go to Malachi 3. Did you going to say something to her? So you said when we say I gave, because we talk a lot about words and gave is in the past. Are you saying that's the wrong uh-huh. word to use? Mm-hmm. What word should we replace it with? Good, good, good question. We're going to get there right here. Just hold on to that. Malachi 3. And we do this. Me and Angie do this every time we tithe. We got this on a card. And if you really, I, I really like this at the, at the New Living translation. It, it, it really, it really brings it out in the New Living. Uh, Malachi 3, uh, 10 through and 11. Well, let's start with verse 9. Because you need to see this too. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, I've heard preachers preach. See, you, you got a curse on your life because you, you didn't tithe and you robbing God. You robbing God, you old thief. A loving God don't talk like that. If you read the whole thing, the whole chapter, God is saying, you robbing me of the pleasure of blessing you by your willingness to give. You robbing me of, of that pleasure that can follow you. When you give something to your kids, you know, you, you get pleasure out of that. You know, when they open that thing up on their birthday or, or whatever it is. That's what he said. You robbing me of that pleasure of, of being able to bless you. Because God don't need your money. What's he gonna do with it? He don't have no money in heaven. He ain't got a dollar bill up there. It ain't about the money, it's about the heart, you see. 
So you're robbing him of that pleasure of being able to get involved and bless you and help you. See? Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you get fed. So that's what most people say you tithe at, at the church. But if you, if you don't, you know, if you, you're getting fed somewhere else, that's where you tithe. That there may be meat in my house and prove me or test me, put me to the test, is what it says in NLT. He, by doing this, he will say, the Lord of hosts, if I open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there won't be enough room to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So whatever's devouring in your life, is it finances, is it kids, is it habits, is it whatever? He shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I, and I, I just changed that verse 11 to, 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 to meet what me and Angie do, you know. Hey, I change you on. My chickens will not die, my, my, my pecans and all will not have no disease, you know, whatever, whatever vocation you in or whatever you need. That's, cause in, in the biblical days they farmed. That's the reason everything's written around that because everybody, when, when these people were talking could relate to it because they were talking about things in their environment. Well, all that has changed. So we read this, see, and we got, we go, it, we got a little old basket that we put our tithe check in or whatever, or our givings. Uh, you know, the folks we give to, we put it all out there and, and we pray these over and we, and we thank the Lord. Lord, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for rebuking the devour, Lord. We, we, we expect this to, to happen for us. We, we, because you gotta have faith in this, see. It, it, I believe that you'll do this for me, see. And we just pray those, not a long drawn out thing, just that simple prayer, see. That is, and if you go to Deuteronomy 26, read that whole chapter, it tells you how to tithe. You, you know. Deuteronomy 26 is the tithing chapter he get that, that Moses gave the Israelites. See, that's, that's, that's tithing right there. See, that's not getting to church and, and hurrying up, grabbing five dollars out of your pocket or, or writing a quick check and throwing it in the basket. You get zero benefits out of that. And they say, that's why people are frustrated that my giving don't work because they don't understand how to give. See? And there's three other ways, other types of giving. We won't get into that this morning. We'll maybe later in the book we'll talk about the four types of giving and what the returns are and that kind of stuff. But you need to really consider. And it is hard for us fathers and us husbands. We have to be the leader of the house. We have to step up and do this. And if you, if you don't have one, you can do it right by yourself. You don't have to have a husband or a partner or whatever because it works the same for everybody. But that's tithing your time. Taking time to do it not just getting to church and doing something. That's why Randy Randy or somebody in this church always says something before the offering. Trying to get you to see what the Word says about your giving, about your doing, and why you do it. Now let me say this. Because people that don't tithe, it is really hard to get started. Because you're saying that I'm fixing to live off 10% less if you if you don't tithe. That's what you're saying. And, and then your mind says, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can. Did you hear preachers that need the jaw slap say things like, you can't afford not to. Trying to guilt you into doing it. What if you guilt into doing it? You're already wrong too. You're already wrong if you get guilted into doing it. Anything you pressured into doing That's why a lot of people don't stay saved. They get pressured and scared. They get saved. When the pressure scared runs off, then they don't come back to church. See? Take it to the Lord. Say, Lord, this is what your word says. I want to be able to do this. Show me how to get it done. And then do what He tells you to do now if you're going to do it. I mean, He, he may take an act of faith and say, hey, next week you put it all in there. 
If you do believe, well, you got to believe that God's got you good in His hand. He's not trying to get it from you. He's trying to get it to you. He's got your best interest at heart. That if He asks you to do something big, that He's got something big in store. See? But just take it to the Lord. And do what He leads, lead, leads you to do. He, he, he may put you on a percentage. Maybe we're going to do 2% this, this month. Next month we're going to do 4%. We're going to be willing to follow His plan. I'm not, go, I'm not going to get you the way I don't want to get you. You don't need to be guilty. You gotta do it out of a willing heart or it's no good. Whatever it is you do. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Go ahead, Mark. Like you were saying, I think uh, 